little content coming out, hopefully. A little footage right. of us making parlay tomorrow. We're going to casino, play some parlay. But, gee, what's your plan tomorrow? So, Texas Bubba, um, was it Sunday? Yeah, I think it was Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday I'm I'm getting absolutely hyped for this UFC 280 card. And I'm seeing all the lines and all the fighters that I like in the last three fights are all dogs. So I'm thinking, you know, this would be a perfect time for me to make my debut, my parlay debut. So um, I hit up Kohe and I'm like, look, I don't want to spend too much. What do, you, what do you say we tag team this thing? You know, we, you throw a little, I throw a little, we make more. I'm going to – hey, hey, I'm and, an investor. I'm an investor. So, And it's not like – I mean, it's not like I've, I've led them astray. I've we, I've been good on UFC so far. I haven't kept a record, yeah. but I've been pretty solid. And uh, getting some other people trying to join in on it, but I'm excited. And this is one of the ways I think I'm dealing with my excitement. But I really feel good about these underdogs. And, uh, I mean, we can get into UFC 280 right now if you want me to. I'll freaking go. I, I don't care. I, I do want to I, – I shorten this up but college you, football because it took a beating on me last week. I really can't – I can't weather talking about it too much, if we're being honest. That's fine. We can – well, I'll play some music, and then we'll hit UFC 280. Then I'll let you go into college football. And then we'll hit NFL, talk a little bit of NBA. Since it's coming up, yeah, it's here. It's here today. Yeah, no, no. yeah. Too. Pels tomorrow, Wednesday. Well, today if you're listening today, but we'll save MLB for last because we got some sad, sad uh, hosts. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunate news for our, for two of our hosts, but all right. Tell me spin to spin it. it. Spin <laughs> that, spin that sucker, Jeefy. All right, fellas, UFC 280, it is here. Quite possibly the most anticipated card of the year. Maybe the most anticipated card since the last Conor McGregor fight. I mean, it's it's up there. Charles Oliveira right now is probably the biggest star in the UFC. Um, just because Conor hasn't been fighting. You know me and Z, we're going to ride that Conor train until the wheels fall off. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't like Charles Oliveira. He's fun to watch. His passion, his heart is amazing to see in the octagon. You see him get knocked down nine times. He's going to get up ten. Um, but we're going to get into this card. I'll save the the main event for last. We'll just kind of work up from it. There's some really good prelims, but I'm not going to get into them just because most of you, if you're not hardcore UFC watcher, you're not going to know a lot of the names. One you might know is Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. It's the headliner for the prelims. Um Bilal Muhammad is known well on MMA Twitter as being one of the most boring fighters on the UFC roster. Uh, I agree with that statement. Just another crotch sniffer. But, hey, he's an elite crotch sniffer, and he gets wins. But he's fighting a guy in Sean Brady that can really wrestle, but Sean Brady can throw him too. So I'm excited to see if Sean Brady can keep it standing with Bilal Muhammad because I think if he does, it's a lot of trouble for Bilal. But it's a tough one to go with just because – Muhammad, he is a dominant fighter. 
Um, he's not Khabib status or anything like that, but he does tend to get people down even when they don't want to be even elite wrestlers. And he kind of just holds them there. But the only thing about Bilal Muhammad, the reason that he's so boring in my opinion is because he's kind of, he's a wrestler, but he has no submission. So he, he kind of hones in on the ground and pound, but he's not great at the ground and pound. He's really just good at ground control, keeping people down, all that good stuff. But, uh, Z, you got anything on that fight? No, you I agree with that one. Muhammad's just – I just hope he loses, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan. All he does <laughs> is wrestle. It's boring to watch. I'd rather watch, no disrespect, WNBA. Oh, wow. Muhammad. <laughs> That's a great one. That's a great one. I like the no, <laughs> the no disrespect throw right in. Just a little ad lib for, for the people. But then we go into the main card, um, and I'll be lying to you if I knew a lot about this one. Chukagian, probably not how you say it. And Furio, I do know she's French. Um, that's about as far as my knowledge on her goes. That first bout is kind of just to say that I think that we have some good fighting women on the card, and that's because, like, we're at a point now in the UFC where women champion or women champions are fighting for the main event. Um, or the co-main. So, like, I think they kind of threw this on. It's the number one contender fight probably at, at 125 or at least a title eliminator. So, I, I'm not going to bet on that one. Uh, I don't know much about it. But now, Z, do you know anything about that one? I, I really don't. No, I don't really know too much about them. It is the number one ranked contender versus number six. So, yeah, I mean, it's a should be a decent fight to kind of kick off the – Oh, yeah. I think it'll get it started. And like I said, I, th I do believe it's a title eliminator for that women's flyweight. So one of them is going to go on to maybe get a title shot or at least be closer to one. So it's a big fight. It has a uh, a big, big position, especially to start off this card. But then we get into Benel Dariush and Gamrot. I don't know how to say his first name. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I think it's Matt Saul or something like that. But anyways, this is the one that – so me and Kohi, I told y'all already in the intro a little bit, told him I was going to make a parlay this Sunday. We're going tomorrow. So while y'all are listening to this, we'll be freaking gearing up to go down to Tunica and make this parlay. But this is the one that I really want help with um, because I do want to add it to the parlay. Because it just it gives you it gives us like an extra thousand dollars if it hits, but it's just a scary fight because Benel Darius. Don't get me wrong, he's a great fighter, but Gamrod is so hot right now. He's so hot right now. Benel Darius has been inactive for a while. He was supposed to fight Islam Makhachev in the last bout. Whenever Islam fought Bobby Green, he pulled out. They they've been pulling out. I think that fight got canceled twice. So his last fight I think was Tony Ferguson, which was a year ago. So he's just been super inactive. Um, he's another one of those Ali Abdiles-led fighters, just like Bilal Muhammad. Um, so kind of hope he loses, but he's an elite fighter, and that's the one I've been iffy on. I think he's an underdog in this one. Game Ross the favorite just because of his win streak. I don't know, Z. It scares me. Yeah. It scares me. It's an interesting fight. I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. I would <clears throat> personally lead Gamrot. Just because you kind of want to ride the hot hand in, in fighting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially against a guy who hasn't fought, you know, recently at all. Mm -hmm. 
it could be that first round he's still got to get his feet wet when you're going up against a guy who's on a hot streak, he's feeling good, he's feeling confident. Yeah. He's ready just to get in there and and he's taken he's taken real punches, you know, a lot more recently than Darius. So I would lead Gam I would lean Gamrot, but that's just a personal thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna I probably won't bet that fight yeah. myself just because the other three fights are are really where it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Um I'm with you. Uh I lean a little bit towards Gamrod as well, and I think that he he he's he does have the hot hand like you said, and I kind of just want Darius to lose, and sometimes that's that's what you gotta ride with. But I got yep. some more I got some more film to watch on that one. Uh tomorrow I'll I'll make my final decision. Me and Kohi will put it out on the Twitter what we're going to finally ride with. But then we get into, I mean, it might as well be named another co-main, uh, Sean O'Malley versus Peter No Mercy on, or Pewter, whatever you want to call him. He's Russian. Um, if you guys have listened to any UFC segment on this podcast, you know that me and Z are big Sugar Show fans. Um, Sugar Show. Sugar Show, baby. Fighting Peter Yan. Peter Yan in the in his last fight got absolutely dominated by Aljamain Sterling. A lot of people didn't see that coming. He is one of the most elite strikers in the UFC right now on the roster. There, there's no doubt about it. But this kind of just comes to an O'Malley striking. Obviously, it's unorthodox. It's elite. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. I think he has more power in his hands than than Yan. I don't think that's a question. But yeah, this is faster. This matchup is really crazy because of the reach that O'Malley's going to have on Jan. Jan's only 5'5". Sean O'Malley is almost six foot tall. Um, I did see something today where Dana White was kind of comparing Sean O'Malley's fight with Jan this weekend to Conor McGregor and Aldo. And I don't – I mean, I can see it. I don't think it has the same buildup just because, obviously, it was for the title fight. And at the time, Jose Aldo hadn't lost, I don't think, in 10 years. Something crazy like that. So Mm – I, I like where his head's at as far as Sean O'Malley boosting his star power even more if he gets the win, especially if he gets it in spectacular fashion as he always does. But, uh, man, it's going to be a fun fight. I If this does go to the ground and people might say, you don't know what you're talking about when I say this, I like O'Malley if he goes to the ground. Sean O'Malley's wrestling is so elite, he just has not had to use it yet. Um and if it's on the feet, I like Sean because you know he's going to spam, absolutely spam Peter Yan with those front kicks of the body. He's going to keep distance away from Peter Yan. He's not going to let him get close. And that's really the – like, people have Yan so high up, and he is a great striker, but I don't think people realize how big of reach Sean O'Malley's going to have on him. Like, if he can keep Yan away from him the whole fight, Yan's in trouble. And Sean O'Malley is one of those fighters where you're not going to get close to him unless he wants you to get close. So it's going to be a, a very difficult fight for Jan, I think. And O'Malley, obviously, you know, this is his best opponent to date. There's no doubt about it. But he's fought people taller. He's fought people probably with better ground game. This is just – I think this fight is where we see if O'Malley's striking is really what we think it is. And I think he's going to pass the test. I really do. So, Z, if you got anything on that one, hit me with it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think – like you said, O'Malley's just going to pepper him with those um, front kicks, but he's also just going to throw that jab constantly yeah. just to keep just to keep him out from getting in tight on him, especially with having such a reach advantage. 
I could see Jan maybe just trying to get him to the ground um, early in the fight. But I think, like you said, his wrestling and his jujitsu is just so underrated. Yeah. Like I mean, at, this guy's a he's a he's a total package fighter, and you know this is a this is a fight to to kind of put him on the map even more than he already is. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's got the skill set and the confidence to you know get in the octagon and go toe to toe with this guy. Yeah, I, and I think even if Sugar does drop this one, which I don't think he will, I think he's still a future champion in the UFC. I think that he is. Mm-hmm. He's an elite fighter, and he's so young still, but, man, I I just really like him. The matchup is just there, and if you're going to give me a, a plus 240 on Sean O'Malley, I'm going to take it every day of the week, and I'm going to take it on this parlay. The more I talk about it, the more I like it. Um, and for people saying, yeah, what are you all talking about, Sean O'Malley, he hasn't hardly gone to the ground. Now, this is only for Sean O'Malley fans, really, that know how good his wrestling is because – you have to watch practice videos of him doing yep. jiu-jitsu and wrestling to know that he's elite at it. But he's beaten All-American wrestlers often, trains with them often. Um, so, yeah, I just – I really like Sean in this fight. So – I'm pretty sure his main trainer is an All-American wrestler. Yeah, is like one of his best friends or whatever. Yeah. Pretty cool story yeah. with them too. Yeah. Like his, his head yeah, coach yeah. is one of his best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so then this one, the co-main, Bantamweight, so – also, Dana White has confirmed that whoever wins the O'Malley Yon fight is going to get the next title shot, which yep. is pretty cool considering that the title, the champion will be fighting on this card right after them. So they'll know right after they fight who they're fighting next. Um, and this one's a big one. Aljamain Sterling, who, like we said just a second ago, absolutely dominated Yon in his last fight, kept him on the ground, tried to find some submissions, couldn't really do it. And then we have TJ Pillshaw, as they like to call him, but I'll call him Dillashaw right now. Um, he was kind of – he's taken a hiatus from fighting, got injured, also had some PED trouble. Um, they caught him right after his last title defense. He had to relinquish his belt. Um, but he comes back after an injury, fights Corey Sanhagen, gets a win, and now he's back in the title picture. Um, he'll go down as – Arguably a goat at 135. I mean, uh, yeah, 135 and 125. I think Dominic Cruz probably still holds that at the bantamweight, even though he got absolutely blistered by Cheeto Vera earlier this year. Um, but Dillashaw is just a scary dude, and we haven't seen him fight in a long time. So I think everybody, based on recency bias, is rolling with Aljamain Sterling. But I think Dillashaw is going to show us why he is who he is this weekend. And it's a scary fight to to bet on, but I really do like TJ Dillashaw. I think Aljamain Sterling has gotten a little too overconfident because um, if if we talk about the last fight, he fought Peter Yan, who is primarily a clinch striker because he fights Muay Thai and a kickboxer. So if if you can get him to the ground and you're a wrestler, you're going to have success. Um, but it was just getting him to the ground, and Aljamain did that. T.J. Dillashaw, on the other hand, was an All-American wrestler. It's going to be hard to get him to the ground. And even if he does, T.J.'s comfortable there. So I think it's going to be an interesting fight. I think these two match up really well, but I like T.J. Dillashaw. And I'm I'm kind of going against Sterling again because I had Yon in the last fight. But I think T.J.'s going to get it done. What do you think, Z? Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's going to be a very interesting fight. 
I think the uh, fighting styles of both guys is, you know, an interesting matchup. They kind of go hand in hand. I personally would lean Sterling. I just think at this point in his career, he's a little bit of a a better fighter, and he's kind of got that hot hand like I spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Dillashaw's had his time, and um, he's a hell of a fighter. Don't get me wrong. But just right now, in this case, I like Sterling in this fight. And, you know, like you said about Jan and O'Malley, whoever wins that gets the next shot. I think that's something where you could see um, Sterling lose. But I, 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 like, I like him in this one against Dillashaw. Okay, I like it. I like it. Well, now, if you guys aren't annoyed, annoyed with me yet, our listeners, I'm going to hop into this main event, and I hope I don't take too long. But uh, Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev. Um, Khabib's been talking all this crap about Charles Oliveira, how Islam's going to smash him. All these people are talking about how Islam is basically the reincarnation of Habib. Um, he's gotten it to the title shot the same way because everybody was saying Habib didn't have any good fights because he didn't before his title shot. But I just think – I think Charles Oliveira, I don't see a path to victory for Islam unless something just crazy happens. Like if he just gets in a perfect takedown scenario at the beginning of the fight, like Charles Oliveira is the best jiu-jitsu practitioner in the UFC. He is one of the best strikers in the UFC. He has one of the best chins in the UFC, and he has the biggest heart in the UFC. In his last three fights, he's been knocked down in the first round every time. He's gotten up and finished his opponent. And and we're not talking about Bobby Green or Dan Hooker, who are both out of their prime, okay? We're talking about Michael Chandler, arguably the most exciting fighter on the, on the UFC roster right now. We're talking about Dustin Poirier, who after the McGregor fights were in his absolute prime, and he still may be. I'm ready to watch him fight at Madison Square Garden against Michael Chandler. And we're talking about freaking – Justin Gaethje, who Khabib said was absolutely destroying his legs, okay? I just think Charles is that – I think we're we're talking about the hot handsy. I think Charles Oliveira is freaking sizzling right now. I mean, maybe one of the hottest fighter streaks I've seen uh, – definitely the hottest streak I've seen while I've been watching UFC. Um, I think he's on a 12-fight win streak. Islam's on a 10-fight win streak. But if you look at the resume, it's just not the same. Oliveira beat Tony Ferguson right after Tony. Got beat down by Gaethje, yes, but he was still an elite fighter. I'll give you that he's not one anymore. Um, he beat Kevin Lee, who was an elite fighter at that time. They were in a title eliminator fight. Oliveira won. Um, I think that Charles is – although Islam is not going to be scared to go to the ground with Charles, it's going to be different just because – all of Sambo fighters, they work on top. The jiu-jitsu fighters work off the bottom. So, like, if we see Islam on top and Charles on bottom, it's going to be best on best, and we'll really see what it's about. But the thing that I'm ready to see is how quickly does Islam shoot for the legs. Got to be under 30 seconds for me. Immediately. Yeah, because if he stands up, I promise you if he stands up, for more than two minutes with Oliveira, the fight's over. First round knockout, mm-hmm. it's done. Um, Islam's an elite fighter. He's an elite grappler. There's no question about it. 
But if we're talking about whose time it is, I don't think there's anybody else right now who you can say whose era of the UFC is this. It's Charles Dubronx. And I think that he's going to go out in front of Islam's home crowd in Abu Dhabi and absolutely put on a master class for all of us to see. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much said it all. I mean, the only thing I got to add is, I mean, I'm I'm thinking Oliveira first-round knockout. That's what he said. That's what Oliveira wants. He wants a first-round knockout. I would I – I, I think he catches him early. I do think that um, Islam shoots for the legs. Mm-hmm. He goes for the takedown. If if Charles can um, stay on his feet and just kind of get him to stand with him for a second or so, and obviously more than a second, but yeah, if he can, I think he's going to really go after trying to knock his ass out early in the fight. And then if that doesn't happen, then it, then it's a dog fight after that. I think. Yeah, if it gets out of the first round, I think it's going to be a dog fight. Yeah. I just think so, I'm excited though. It's going to be a good fight. Yeah, and I haven't I seen Mac. I think I think like I've been saying this whole segment, ride the hot hand. Charles is the hottest fighter in the UFC right now. Yeah, undoubtedly. Take a punch. He can take a punch. He can throw a punch. He's got, you know, the biggest heart, like you said in the UFC. So it's going to be a hell of a fight. I'm excited. Well, the craziest thing. I'll, I'll add one more thing before we end this is. Every time I watch – so I watch these UFC embeddeds every time. It's always on the pay-per-views. They have a vlog every day for – they follow all the fighters. Every time Oliveira's fought Poirier, he's fought Gaethje, he's looked calm, motivated, but calm. In this one, he looks absolutely just ready to take someone's head off. Like, he is super motivated. One, because he lost the belt on a, a iffy scale – Last last time when he fought Gaethje, all the fighters were saying they were a half pound off backstage. Um, and then he goes in, finishes Gaethje like we've never seen Gaethje got, get finished before, um, even by Khabib. And now he's telling us that he's even better than that now, and he, he wants to end Islam early. So I'm excited to see it. And if there's anybody I believed – about the same as I did Mystic Mac is Charles Oliveira right now. If he's going to call his shot, I'll follow with it. Now, that's all I got. That's all I got on UFC. Kohi, are you feeling any more confident? Hey, look, if you're, if you're passionate about it and you got the knowledge, okay, I'm riding. All right, you're my guy. I'm an investor. All right, I'm looking for a bet. Any, any free trip down to Tunica, I'm not going to turn down either. So, yeah, I'm in. I mean, if, if somebody's knowledgeable and passionate about it, sign me up. I'm sold. That's a bet. That's all I got on UFC 280, guys. Um, hopefully we'll be tweeting a lot from the dudes page. Uh, all of you also, by the way, who liked my UFC 280 blog and Reddit and stuff, I just want to thank you all. appreciate it. Z, I know you're one of those guys, so thank you very much. Sure. Um But, yeah, I'm going to keep on posting those so y'all keep reading them. And now we're going to get to Kohi's favorite segment. Let's get it. The stage was set. Okay, we got – I got three bangers that we're going to talk about. But as far as us 
blowing off the slate and talking about it for a week. I mean, college football did everything we we needed it to do. It delivered. It was a, I mean, action-packed, full And the one that I thought would start it off is kind of just one I got Michigan rolls on with uh, Penn State. It's not even close. It was close for – that wasn't even the 11 a.m. That was the entertainment. It was Oklahoma-Kansas shootout. And we're talking old-fashioned, beautiful style. It looked like Oklahoma was going to run away for a minute. Kansas comes back in it, uh, 94 total points, just an unreal football game. And, guys, I don't know if y'all caught that one, but it's crazy to think that that would have been the least exciting of the day after you saw it. Because, I mean, it was – like I said, you'd look you'd, – I think it was 28-14 at the end of the first quarter. So, I mean, we're talking score, score. And, like I said, we'll, and we'll just roll right into it. I mean, it's what we got to talk about. This Tennessee-Bama game delivered, boys. It delivered. Most watched football game of the year for college. I I don't care which one you go for, go first. It can be a coin flip. I need, I need initial reactions. What what what'd you think? I think the turning point, I know Z was on Bama's side. I made a – I'm talking 229 game decision and bet Tennessee money line. I, I need some – I need thoughts, boys. I mean, it was a hell of a football game, like you said. And uh, it lived up to the hype. It was hyped up a lot. <clears throat> Everybody was talking about it, and it lived up to it. Um, Tennessee looked good. Hendon Hooker looked good. Offense looked good. I think they're a good team. I mean, they're real. I think Tennessee's a real a real contender. Hendon Hooker's a real contender for the Heisman. Um, the one thing I think that hurt Bama or – is different with this year's team than previous Saban teams in the past is they just look undisciplined. I mean, there were so many penalties. I mean, I think they had – I mean, I know they had over 100 yards worth of penalties. Yeah, I think, it was, I, I think it was 18 flat. I know it was the most in the Saban era, and most yeah. even Bama had had since, like, I think late 90s or early 2000s. I mean, it was ridiculous, man. And then that whole ordeal with the – with the punt, Robinson thinks it hits somebody. He tries to grab it, then instead of jump on it, then Tennessee. I mean, that's just not that's just not Alabama football. No. Which uh, Will Anderson came out and he said that um, pregame he noticed a lot of guys were a little anxious, a little nervous. They were excited to play, but they were a little anxious about the game, which is something you don't hear a lot from Alabama players. Never. I think that was the biggest takeaway for me was just the penalties from Bama. But yeah, I'm not going like to take said, anything away from Tennessee, though. I mean, they played a hell of a football game, and they look good. Right, and I, I saw something, which I'll let you go after this. Gee, I, and I don't know how true it is. You know how graphics get made and all kind of shit, but something about Saban kind of said it before every game. You know, our guys are chanting, barking to get out, and he was like, it was just like they were kind of just waiting on someone to tell us, all right, you know, run out of the tunnel, hit the field. And they like, it's almost, yes, wasn't bowed out as it usually is. Hey, this is Alabama football. We're going to give it to them for 60 minutes. So, kind of like you said, a little antsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the penalties you could tell, especially early, there was like early, that one man. drive, I think there was like four penalties and two plays ran or three penalties, two plays. But, I mean, like you said, and if anyone somehow, like I get it the first – you know, first six weeks, it was like, is Tennessee real? You know, some of these wins haven't panned out as good. Florida 
hasn't looked as good. Uh, the South Carolina, like some of the games just didn't, you know, they didn't lit the football math didn't add up like we like to bring up, right? Like you, you see a win that, you know, they were ranked when Tennessee played them, but, you know, Pitt falls off a little bit. Florida falls off. But after this one, you know, if anyone still wants to make that narrative and say it, and it could be true still, because, you know, they could fall apart. I, I don't see it happening. But at this point, there's no one in the country that's in the right spot to say Tennessee's not for real. For now, at this point, they're real, and they got to prove to us that they're not. You know, before yep. you could have claimed they were not real and they had to prove they were real. Well, Saturday they did every every ounce of that. But gee, I know you. I know you love seeing Alabama loss. I know you love it. I do. Uh, I mean, I'm not just like a guy that's going to watch Alabama every week to see if they lose. Because right. what kind of sad life would I have if I did that? Um, I do love seeing their fans suffer a little bit just to bring them down back to earth. Seeing them not get some calls is really nice as well because they have to, you know, see what the rest of the world is like for for a night. But um. I, I agree with both of y'all. Like, this was a game where you, you have those games that get college game day that are a top five matchup sometimes, and they roll in, and it's just a pounding, especially when Alabama's on one side of it. And this one just never really felt like that from the get-go. Like, I woke up in the morning and drank my coffee. I said, damn, Tennessee might actually do something. And, you know, they did. Wasn't without a little help from Alabama. I mean, I thought I think they shot themselves in the foot a lot. Um, and I think that if they played again, it would be different, but I, I'm a big, like Alabama is, is great and all that, but I think me and Kobe have been saying it dang near since week two is just what Z said. They're so undisciplined right now and it's just and not something. It, yeah. Yeah. And it's and they, just not. They showed it in that Texas game too. Yeah. Glimpse of it. And it's just yeah. not something you see, uh, from a saving coach team. So it's it was just different to see. Um, I enjoyed it for sure. I do want to shout out Bryce Young though. Um, uh, he he's he's the best quarterback in the nation. I don't think there's much debate. I think Hendon Hooker had a great game. I think Hendon Hooker gets the Heisman nod because they actually beat Alabama. But Bryce Young already has his Heisman, so what does it matter? He is he is that guy. Even uh, I texted Kohe even a play after they had backed themselves up. I think three penalties in a row. That bad snap that bounces and Bryce Young grabs it with one hand, rolls out and and throws it out of bounds. Like that's just a play that a lot of people don't make. And you can be an athlete, you can be an okay athlete and have IQ, but Bryce Young is just a guy who has both of them. He's a little on the shorter side for a QB, but I love short QBs with number nine. You know, I mean, what can I say? So um, yeah, I, I do have to give my props to that guy because he is the real deal, and I've. Because I, I'm not a huge fan of Alabama before, I've kind of been like, oh, he's got all the weapons in the world. He's got this. He's got that. But um, he he turned me into a believer this last weekend. So I, I did want to get that off my chest because I know a lot of people just say, oh, Joe's just hating on Alabama. I do want to say that. But on the flip side of that coin, I, I agree with Z. I think Tennessee looked like the real deal. They belong. I think them and Georgia is going to be a really fun game to watch just because Georgia's proved a, a couple of times that they're super mortal this year as well. I think Stetson and Hendon Hooker will be a fun matchup to watch, um, just watching them go back and forth at it because Stetson's shown some crazy abilities as well this this year so far. And, of course, in the national championship game last year. Um, 
college football was just – it was great for everybody this last Saturday. And if you didn't watch, I feel sorry for you. But if if there was one game throughout the year that I've had people walk up to me and, and say, hey, are y'all going to talk about this? Hey, did you watch this game? Like people I've never heard talk about college football are talking about it this week. And that's good for the game, good for the conversation, good for the pod because maybe they'll tune in. But um, it was just a great day to watch football. And, man. It's fun. I love it. Man, sport, I, I mean, sports are sports are great. Yeah. Well, sports are great. And I might change my mind when we go to the NFL segment, but they're great for the college football segment. <laughs> but, um, man, and I just can't get off of it just yet, but that – knowing a couple Tennessee fans that aren't the worst people in the world and with social media, you know, everyone capturing the moment and – I know some of them old heads and even young folks are like, oh, put your phone down, you know, you know, suck in the moment. It's all right to take a little 20-second video because I'll tell you what, the people at home, Saturday I appreciated those videos so much. That was one of the most special, like, chill bumps moments I've ever seen from when they take the goalpost down, they throw it in the Tennessee River, the yeah. fireworks <laughs> shooting when the stadiums, when the flyover cameras above the stadium and fireworks are going and they're pouring in the stadium and just – like it just being Alabama and the fact that it's Tennessee and that your big brother has just kicked your ass for a decade years. and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, literally 15 years running. And to be like, like, and I, this is the most unbiased I can play it because I obviously, Tennessee in the playoff does nothing for me. Right. But to just sit here and be a college football fan. And like you said, to be given that game and how great it was, dude. And to see Tennessee at that number six spot. And and the people still, you know, you don't get rich betting against Bama, which I've I've said it, and the the doubt of them, and they're even almost, I think the heart and soul of the Tennessee fan base, you kind of did feel like they did truly believe, which was good. But every now and then, I think some Tennessee fans you run across, and they still knew, yeah, shit. it's Bama. Like it's still it's still Bama. It's still Nick Saban. We can't beat them. It's been, you know, all the jokes about the first iPhone wasn't out the last time they beat them. All this mess. And I don't know, just a special, special moment. I don't know how many Tennessee fans we have that listen to this pod, but to be kind of doubted and then to go from number six and now you swap pots, swap spots with Bama and Tennessee being number three this week in the poll and Bama down to six, just an incredible sports scene. And, I mean, it was just awesome. And that's just what it's all about. And it's always been hype around the game. You know, when that game turns out to be a two-possession game and Bama wins by 14, it's just like, damn – and that's another thing where that narrative of the 12-team expansion and this and that gets tied in. And it's always the same teams. It's always this. They always prevail. Where I mean, look how special that was. Like that moment. Yeah. And that's the matchups you're going to get when it expands. Not necessarily every single time it's going to work out, obviously. But, you know, Tennessee was a doubted – I mean, they were obviously – they were a nine-point dog in their own stadium against Bama. And I think Neyland definitely helped them a shit ton, but – I mean, they just wanted – like, the, the players just wanted it so bad. Like, it was – you saw players crying. You got Hyatt, six catches, five of them having to be touched. Oh, you want to tell me. And the hooker, the play from him, great. Like, I mean, he just played outstanding all day. He had a pick where you kind of thought, damn, here here it goes. This is it. This is bad. Like, this is Alabama. They forced an interception. And, I mean, good for Hendon. He comes back out. And he, he becomes a dog. And he does his thing. And they score an answer. With all that being said, this is the Tennessee pod this week. Like, I'm I'm all in on them. Bryce Young, 
is just one of the most talented playmaking individuals I've I was mind blown. And don't get me wrong, when that Bama Tennessee game ended, it was probably five thirty ish, six o'clock. Uh actually no, it was all the way to six thirty because I remember state was getting ready to come on. But so you can imagine the uh the beverages I've consumed. But I'm sitting here in the fourth quarter and I'm just like, man, like the first guy, you know, you got them people, the first guy never tackles. The first guy doesn't touch Bryce Young, much mm-hmm. less tackling. It's I mean, it's unbelievable. And I got some Heisman odds real quick. Gee, what'd you do you got something else on this game before I uh, I, I just wanted to say three things. One, it's funny because like the past like six years, I remember Tennessee people saying, This is our year. And like this is the one year I never heard him say anything, and they're actually good. Two, how the heck did that knuckleball kick go forty yards and go through the uprights? No just as a former kicker, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, he's going to be so short!" And like it just kept going. Like I was in shock when it went through the uprights. Gee, and, gee, as a kicker, as a kicker. Okay, okay, okay. Did did that mean that he just? I mean, he tried to hit it from eighty. Is that a hardy? Yeah, kick? he obliterated the center of that ball. Like usually, you try <laughs> to hit a little bit under the center to make it have that, you know, yeah. like that over the top spin. But yeah. when you hit it in the center, it's kind of like the same when you hit a baseball in the center, a soccer ball in the center. It knuckles. Like when you square yeah. up a baseball at the center, it's going to knuckle, and it knuckled. But usually, those knuckle balls they fall. Like they don't like go. That's yeah, what the yeah. tail is for. Right. But that they usually just go and stop. And that one just kept going. I st- yeah, I don't know how that went in, but it was awesome. But I do want to add number three. I got to say this. Tennessee scored the most points on Alabama since 1907. Okay. 1907, a little team, they call they go by the Sewanee Tigers. All right. My granddad, Hall of Famer there. Football, you know. So, shout out to the Sewanee Tigers. I just had to say that. Good no. for Tennessee breaking it's that record. Fun, but I had to say that. And it happened the year I mean, like. Hey, yeah. I say, we can get a, we can get a 30-second personal here. Look. I can Jeez. get emotional. My granddad yeah. passed away this year. Sewanee's record gets broke this year. I mean, at least at least he, he lived. He outlived their record getting broke, you know. But, exactly. uh, dude, cool to just see – the Sewanee Tigers, who are now D3, and probably no one on this podcast that's listening right now <laughs> has ever heard of. But, uh, yeah, it was just cool to see them, like, on a tweet. I've never yeah, seen no, a tweet a crazy... about Sewanee. So it was cool to see them on a tweet. That was a special ass month. Like, I – and this when you found it. And G's granddaddy was literally my granddaddy. My real one passed away earlier. And he – when he sent me that, it was literally, like, one of those just – chills and crazy for him to pass away this year and then that be the record has no ties no correlation but still yeah it's your personal i had to say it. it's like when it's your personal deal it's like dude like how does this shit work like this like how yeah. it could have been any other school in the entire country and we're probably the only one that have some sort of connection to loving college football and watching bama get some record broke on them and then happening to be g's granddaddy and just a wild wild scene shout out sawani Shout out to the Sewanee Tigers. Shout out Sewanee. Yeah, honestly, I said it was the Tennessee pod. This could be the Sewanee pod. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I can't believe I missed the kick. I guess I was talking about everything else. But to like to win it like that, too, and I guess it just 
I don't know. Everyone kind of has always hated or like had some Tennessee fans they absolutely hate. And I do see it. Like, I guess it's more just people I don't really care enough about to like get mad that they're obnoxious. But when I try to just put myself in the shoes and realize, like, you're seeing people my age or whatever guys and they're just like, they're mind, they're literally mind blown that this somehow happened. And to win it like that, like G said, a kick from the angle everyone's watching at home. Everyone, as soon as off the foot and you saw it, like, oh, shit, and over time. And it, it squeaks through. But unreal, I do want to give my credits to Bryce Young. Uh, and that will lead me in just talking about him. We'll touch back on a, one more banger from last weekend. But uh, C.J. Stroud now at minus 110 to win the Heisman, which is mind-boggling. Be minus money seven weeks in. Uh, not saying it's the wrong pick. He's definitely the front runner. You got Hendon Hooker, increased his odds, plus 500. He's second now. Caleb Williams at plus 700. We'll get to them. And Bryce Young now at plus 1,800, fifth. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I knew. I'm not an idiot. They're not going to go back-to-back Heismans. They're just not going to do it, in my opinion. I don't think they're going to. But you talk about an individual performance just to do everything. I mean, he was the – like the normal classic call you hear the old man up in the booth say, Bryce Young was Houdini. In the, in the fourth quarter, he was Houdini. He did everything he could. So, do got to give my props to Bryce. And I always like – I mean, as a football guy, I don't know how people don't like watching Bryce Young besides the old heads screaming, stay in the pocket when you got five blitzing from one side. So, besides that narrative, I think everyone enjoys Bryce Young. Enough with UT and Bama. UT's for real. Shout out to them. Bank cl- instant classic, the number one on the video game when it pops up. Score infinity. I don't even remember what the scores used to be, but number one game by far this year. But it didn't stop. It didn't stop. And our wagon, Z, yeah. our wagon came unhitched and Utah hung their nuts. Utah goes for two at home, says screw it, gets it, knocks off USC 43 42. What do you got for me, Z? I mean, we're speechless. What do we say? Uh, I don't know. Because they, they were a certified wagon. It's, but, I mean, that one was it was mind blowing. I couldn't believe they went for two there at the end at home. But that's what you got to do when you play a team like USC. If you got a chance, you might as well just go for the win, especially with a hundred percent USC's high powered offense and the talent they got. I mean, Caleb Williams threw five touchdowns. Let's not get it twisted. I mean, he was out here ball. Yeah. I mean, hey, uh, five touchdowns, no picks, 381 yards. I mean, they and there good, had been but... there had been questions about that USC defense, and I think they get mm-hmm. an answered now that Caleb's going to have to do. And it's hard to say yeah. do more when you just say he threw for five tutties, but yeah, I mean, he's going to have to get a little help, or him and Lincoln are going to have to talk. Hey, look, let's let's try and slow the offense down a little bit and keep that defense as long as we can. Yeah, I mean, that defense is, you know, a little on the weaker side. I mean, this game was neck and neck the whole way. The whole way. And, I mean, what a ballsy call just to go for two there by Utah. But, I mean, a lot of people were saying, and that's why I think Utah was favorites, that Utah at home. Yeah. And, I mean, we didn't. They got up for this game. I'll give them that. We were we were so much on the wagon, we just couldn't listen to that, and it it bites us in the ass a tad. But hey, we're not dead out there in Southern Cal. Nope. Okay, we're, we're okay. Not. We're okay. We're a little one point loss. Maybe maybe a wake up call for the wagon. 
Yeah. Gee, I'll don't never get it. Don't get it back on that one. Nah, nah, y'all got it. Y'all got it. The only other banger I got, and then we'll get into uh, me and Jeefy. TCU 43, Oklahoma State 40, double overtime. Oklahoma State was up 15 or 16. I can't remember, and I phone was not working for shit. But two possessions for sure, one of a two-point conversion. Anyways, TCU gets it done and then stops them in over, uh, the second overtime. TCU kicks field goal. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even think this one's – I mean, I took – I was Oklahoma State money line side, but, I mean, TCU's – Six and oh, they're almost one that kind of like the Tennessee narrative, obviously not as high up, like they didn't beat an every year playoff team. But I mean, TCU is climbing number eight in the poll and six and oh, and they're just they're going to keep climbing the ladder and they get they keep getting opportunities. They got number 17 Kansas State this week, so I mean, at least they got an opponent. Um, yeah, I don't know what y'all's thoughts on TCU and how long are they for real? I mean, they're they're good, man. I was on the over in this game, and it didn't look great at halftime because Oklahoma State was only up 24-13. But they kind of – they got it there towards the end. But I thought Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's a good team. So, this was – I mean, this is a good win. Yeah, and Oklahoma see. State's offense is a, an actual threat. But oh, yeah. with that being said, that TCU defense has mainly been the talk. And, I mean, either way you get out here with a win, you know, that's a plus. It was a top-10 opponent. But – I'm not raising my brows at the defense, but I guess I'm just saying more. I am shocked that it did come down to a 43-40 game versus maybe a little bit lower, just 40 giving up 40s. But like I said, the Oklahoma State's defense are real, is a real threat. I mean, this is Big 12 football at its finest. No defense. That is true. Let's, let's sling it. Let's run up the scoreboard, and we're going to have a shootout and go to two OTs. I mean, that's that's Big 12 football, and TCU is controlling the Big 12 right now, so. Maybe they can make a little noise. Between that, uh, uh between Oklahoma fifty-two over Kansas forty-two and this forty-three forty-one, we got a taste of the old school typical shootout football over there. Yeah, this shootout football. So if they can run the table, going to feed to win the conference. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you don't put them in. Yeah, I agree, and that's another I mean, one of can, these. And they got to go into Texas and into Baylor back to back weeks. And they Texas didn't make my list, but we'll talk about them just for a quick second. You talk about scary. And Iowa State's defense is another one that kind of gets slept on because their name's Iowa State, but they do have a good defense. I mean, Texas wanted to lose. They were trying. Texas wanted to lose that game, and they escaped. So, I mean, you never know what can happen. But, like I said, I don't want to dive into it, dive into it. I do want to say, and I always, always backlash these, the committee and everyone or whoever's in charge, and they, they made the right pick. If we could have just done this 12-team playoff one year sooner, I mean, this year is the most ideal year possible for 12 teams. And it's so it's so ironic that it gets brought up and now it's, it's coming soon, but not this year necessarily. They, I mean, they're finally shuffling teams around. Okay, we got Georgia and Ohio State still one and two. Tennessee and Bama flip. We got Tennessee third now, Bama sixth. You got Michigan leaps Clemson. Michigan's four now, Clemson five. So the top six alone, I mean, they're they're shuffling like it like more than we've ever seen. And it just it kills me that this year there's so much chaos and the 12 teams right around the corner, but we're not gonna get it this year. And this year would just be ideal in my eyes. Yeah, I agree. 
Jeefy, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you go last because I need to get this one short and sweet. This was the uh, this was the biggest one of the biggest hopeful spots as my Mississippi State fandom has been, and I know people will bring up 2014, and we were number one in the country, and Dak goes one in his last four games, loses the Egg Bowl, loses the Bama, loses to the damn triple option in the in the bowl game. But this spot was part for the personally my personal opinion. I was. I was – Will was spinning it well. Offense looked good. The defense was going good. couple 20 wins over A&M in Arkansas. Rolling. Kentucky let us back. No big deal. And we go to Lexington and we shit an egg the size of a damn school bus. Okay, it was one of the most embarrassing. Three to three at half. And it was the vibes. You could tell it from the fan base on Twitter. You could tell it from the game sideline and whatever it was one of the typical lexington things we go up there and we forget how to play football it's the middle of the season it's every it's every time we go to lexington it seems like uh benny snell back in the day ran for a couple couple hundred on us i believe and rodriguez for kentucky does the same and didn't have an answer for him defense did what they could i i can't believe i still hear people talking about the defense because we i mean we did allow 200 to rodriguez that sucks I mean, we've been we've been getting up half a thousand yards on offense all year, and just a bend don't break kind of down there, and when they get close or in the red zone, and it's been fine to the fans. You know, it's been fine that we had to stop Arkansas on a couple fourth downs in the red zone. All right, it's been fine, and now we lose one, and the fans, you know, we you find those ones that are need new coach, and the guys aren't in it. Blah blah blah. The typical Twitter fingers, but the defense, right when you thought it was over, and it was twenty to ten. Emmanuel Ford, a midseason All-American that came out today. He gets a pick six, jumps a little screen route. It's 20 to 17, and we're right back in it. And that's just what had to happen to to destroy me, to honestly kill me. And we, it was 2017. They marched down the field. They score. Will throws a pick in some trash time. The game was all but over. Uh, I broke my cowbell. That was That was a tragedy. Yeah, I, I was beat, guys. I was I was as drained as I swear to God. It was the mo. It was the worst loss in my Mississippi State fandom. I swear to God. G, you're laughing. Talk to me. No, it's every year, G. No, it's every not. freaking year. It's every know, year we get the letdown spot. And you know what we do? We do exactly what we always do, and they let me down. G, I'm what not, is? It? No, I'm not laughing at you. I'm. Yeah, I want to hear. Just, no, like. I just – it's not you, but, like, they're just – and it's the same way. It goes both ways. Like, Ole Miss and State fans, it's always going to be – they're always going to be in each other's Twitter mentions. Yep. The difference between with me and Kohe, with me and other fans, is, like, Kohe can say whatever the most reckless thing on Twitter ever, and I know that he's just trying to rile somebody up, so I don't get riled up by it. Well, but also, like, there's not – if anyone listens to this pod – Like, they know you're not that irrational. Yeah, and I'll throw yeah. the little shots at Ole Miss, but, like, we're going to talk about Ole Miss after this because you're going to talk about them. They won by 14 against Auburn. Did they try and lose and make it a scare? Sure. Guess what? Ole Miss is 7-0, number seven in the country. Yeah. It's if just they like, listen to this, I'm rational. But, yeah, on Twitter, I'm going to – I'm a character. Yeah, yeah, saying? yeah. It's like, it's like he gets into character on Twitter, and that's fun. But it's just like – I don't know. I mean, I'm getting so worked up right now just thinking about that. No, dude, it's fine. Okay, you want me to go? The biggest letdown spot in five years, and they 
they don't lay it. They don't lay a goose egg or whatever the saying is. The biggest fucking egg possible. They try and keep you alive, and then just to kill you again, bro. And it wasn't even that. I mean, we just couldn't play football the first thirty minutes. It's horrible. Like, How many? <laughs> so I, many. Can I ask you a question seriously? Because I'm not on Mississippi State Twitter. How many? Yeah. Like, over or under ten tweets? Uh, did you see complaining about the air raid? It wasn't even so much the air raid. It's like, it's it's like these fan dude, and I and I've said it on the record hell of times. State fan base as a whole, I can't even I can't even bear them half the time. Like they won't leech out. If if somebody would have told these folks in June we'd be five and two going into Bama, they would have been the same fan saying no, we won't. Like negative ass fans. Yeah. We're five and two. It's the way we lost and the fact like the spot being five and one, having lost the one game, one bad quarter. Like you, you're optimistic as hell. Yeah. Remember the, they're the and fans not to mention about, that not to mention that last week you guys absolutely drummed Texas A and M. That's what I'm saying. Drumming A&M in Arkansas and winning that way made it even more optimistic. But these fans are the ones talking about, like, our defense has been good and this and that, and, like, basically acting like Arnett and the defense just wanted Rodriguez to run for 200 yards. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, they want to win. They want to win way more than you do, believe it or not. They might not want to win more than I do, but they do want to win more than most fans. And I just can't understand how they're like, why are we letting him run all over us? Fuck, they're trying to tackle him. He's running. He's trying not to get tackled. He just – they outperformed us. Yeah. And we we shit an egg. Like, it just is what it is. And I don't know. I just can't get over it. And like I said, we literally – I think Arkansas had like 550 yards against us. Yeah. But we just happened to stand and bow up on fourth down, and we just – we couldn't do the big play, Saturday. Yeah. And then the offense just literally – which they say it about Leach often. And anyway, we've seen it in a couple like years past at state. Every now and then, just certain games, it's like someone throws something at him. I don't know what it is. I'm not an X and O guy, but it's like he he can't do it. He can't do anything with it, and the offense just stalls out. And we go back home. It's always on the road, and it's always where Leach is trying to get over that hump and get to nine wins, ten wins, whatever it may be. But I can't go on about it. I'm telling you, most painful loss I've had in a long time. Well, let's not talk about it anymore. Most painful off loss in sports for me on the record. All right. Well, I'll hit the ribs. I won't spend too much time. Um, feels good to stay in the top ten for once. After we get in the top ten, uh, I definitely had some scares, and it wasn't so much that we were underperforming. It was more that Tank just was running on us, and that's what scares me about this offense more than anything is. We're, we don't have DJ Durkin anymore, but we do play heavy zone. So we're always kind of giving our front line the job and maybe a linebacker to giving them the job of uh, harnessing the run game. And they've done a good job up to this point. But I guess what I really am going to talk about is what the future is for Ole Miss, because I think that we're still we're a really good team. I think sometimes a quarter quarterback play is a little bit lacking. Uh this is going to sound funny to y'all because y'all are going to be like, oh, this dude's such a homer. But I actually compared to somebody the other day, Jackson Dart this year. He's a sophomore. I compared him to kind of Hendon Hooker last year. Hendon Hooker had a good team, but there were times where his arm was too big for the route or whatever, and he would overthrow a curl or 
overthrow a go route or something like that. And Jackson Dart, he's missed so many long balls um, with with receivers wide open. I think our defense is good. I think our defense is good enough to let us hang, but we're a Lane Kiffin coach team. What we're always going to hang our hat on is offense. They scored 48 points against Auburn. Um, I do want to say this before I go into our future also. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place. Besides, like, the Mount Rushmore of coaches that are out right now, obviously we got the Saban, Dabo, Lincoln, Riley. I think Lane Kiffin is edging his way up there. Um, I mean, he came to Ole Miss in a bad situation. Matt Luke had just absolutely obliterated our program. We had people not wanting to come. Last year we go 10-2. and two. This year I think we're going to still have a good record. We may not be 10-2 and two because of the slate I'm about to get into, but – Damn, we're a good team. What about that onside kick at, like, perfect scheme? We saw they were running a bad kickoff return. We we threw one in. We got a good-ass kicker, too, and Cruz, and he knocks one in, and we get the ball back, and we go score, and it was in a crucial part of the game. Um, I guess just having to deal with those Matt Luke years for a little while in my prime of being a fan, it just feels good to be able to hang your hat on having a good coach. I might get pissed at him when we go for it on fourth and three sometimes when we don't get it. But when we get it every time, I'm going to defend him. You know, I'm just like any other college football fan. I have my flaws. But anyways, Ole Miss is scheduled thus far has been incredibly favorable. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm rational. And now we go into the toughest three-game stretch that we're going to have this season. We go to LSU. Luckily, it's a 2.30 game. It's not a 7 o'clock game. Um, then we go into A&M. It's going to be at 630. The 12th man is going to be in full effect. And then we have Alabama at home. So best case scenario, obviously, we win those two. We get college game day against Alabama. Worst case scenario, we drop these next two on the road, and then we go get obliterated by Alabama. The most this is going to happen case scenario for me, we drop one of these away games at LSU or in College Station. And then we go into Bama somewhat hopeful. That's what I'm hoping for. We'll see what happens. But I don't have anything really on the team. Uh, I think that we're going to keep on relying on the run game because why wouldn't we? Um, The two-headed monster of Judkins and uh, Evans has been insane so far, and I I don't think we'll shy away from it. Defense has been nothing to write home about, but they haven't been bad at all. Um, They've been solid. So – it's just going to be one of those things where I guess we'll see. You know, I, I haven't had my my dire loss in college football yet, thank God, because the Saints have been absolutely doing my heart in. I mean, just breaking my heart week by week. I can get into that next segment. But college football segment, I want to be happy. There's nothing to be upset about. We're in the top ten. We're seven and zero. Next week we go. That's all I got, Boa. Hey, that'll roll us into it real quick. You're already talking about y'all's future. Big one in Baton Rouge. Yeah, it is. Wild, wild Z. Talk money with me. I know that's the one you're looking at. LSU line flip to him. LSU favored. Oh, man. That's a tough one. I'm that's not, a, that's I'm, a think one. That's a one you got to think on. I agree. That's definitely one I got to think on. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not high on LSU. I think right now, right off the bat, top of my head, I'm going Ole Miss. 
just for the fact that if there were to be some kind of look-ahead spot or letdown spot, however you want to phrase it, it would be the A&M game with Bama the next week, not this game. I think this game, it's all right, Bama lost. We have a real chance to, you know, win the West. Let's take care of business at LSU. And then the week after, it could turn into a, all right, we got Bama next week. Let's just, you know, Bama, Bama, Bama. And then you Z, get, Z, you know, can, I, can I break in real quick? Because I, I do want to say this, because I may not be able to say it next week. First in the West. I mean, come on. First in the West. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Is, it is true. Yeah, hey, hang the fucking banner. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Whatever. Whatever, Mid-season champs. Come on, baby. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So I think I think it's gonna be a good game. I think it plays in uh Ole Miss's favor that it is a is a mid afternoon game and not, you know, under the lights in Dead Valley. Yeah, they don't get the they don't get the full benefit of eleven AM, but definitely don't get the worst uh full on night game. I agree. That's the only one I had written down that was outside the other four top twenty five matchups. Really I just wrote that one down because of the line, because I think Ole Miss Sunday was like yeah, we were two. we were favorite at first, and now yeah. they flipped it, which I kind of like for my sake because last time public money's going on LSU. Last time yeah. we were uh, last time we were two. Last time we were top ten, and went into LSU as a favorite. We uh, we got beat. So I'd like for that not yeah. to happen. And uh, like if I'm a, if I'm in old Mister Shoes as a state, like I'm a hundred percent like you. Like I'd rather be the dog. And then on the gambling side, I'm trying to read a line and be like, "Hold on, yeah, what are, they, what are them mother? What do they see? I don't like. Yeah, what do they know? Because Vegas, they knows, always know. They know something. They do. They always know something. Yeah, that is man. that is weird. That a seventh ranked Ole Miss is a is a dog against an unranked OSU. It is one of those those stadiums, though. I guess you can't. Yeah, throw that it is. Yeah. That is one of those top three that always can shift it a little bit. But while I think that it open, could flip back even to maybe even a pick them. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm expecting it to go to just a straight up pick. But a couple other ones that we talked about uh that kind of this year was a twelve team format. We got number fourteen who just keeps clawing. All right, Garrett Trader in Syracuse at number five, Clemson. Clemson a two touchdown favorite. Um Clemson and me and G talked about them early, I think when it was just me and him one time. Not I mean, they're still not slept on fully because they're number five in the country, don't get me wrong, but Michigan jumping them a little bit, just two touchdown favorite here. I feel, I feel like they just keep casually kind of strolling along. But then the other half of me, man, Syracuse has put some money in Cohe's pockets this year. Yeah, Syracuse has definitely won me some money as well, but I agree with what you're saying about Clemson. I think as the season's gone on, Clemson's just gotten better and better, and they're starting to look like, you know, the Clemson of a few years ago. Being right now, it's sitting at 13 and a half. I mean, that's a lot of points, which, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do on that one, but I do think, you know, Syracuse coming off that kind of emotional win against a very talented NC State team, they're, I think they're going to get hit in the mouth here by Clemson. Yeah, I uh, – like I said, that's what I'm just – I think Clemson just every now and then gets in that rhythm each year. In midseason, they just keep under the radar. Everyone already sleeps on ACC football. It's a little bit better this year. But, yeah, I'm with you. Um, We talked about this conference already. We got 20 Texas strolling into number 11 Oklahoma State. 
Is this? I guess this is right. I got Oklahoma State plus six is six what I'm saying. This is another just begging you to take Oklahoma State. I mean, yeah, Texas. I, I think it, Vegas loves Texas. I, I mean, yeah, Vegas definitely falls in love with Texas every chance they get. I feel like that's a common, a common trend. But I mean, Oklahoma. I mean, we just talked about that know. TCU game in Oklahoma State. I mean, TCU is a very respectable team. I'm not shitting on Iowa State, but like we said, Texas plays that same football. Oklahoma State's not letting them get out of there with a win. Mm. So that one's that one's crazy. I guess I just got in writing mode and didn't even I didn't even put my usual. I try to put a star if it's something that's gonna scare me or shock me. I just had to reread it and surprise myself. Um the biggest game and this one, we gotta talk about this team for just a split second. And really this can wrap up my we already talked about Kansas State and TCU. This one can wrap it up for week two, or not week two, this coming up week. Number nine, UCLA at a team that we absolutely buried week one and did the worst like college football is needing football and just take that first score and run with it. Like that's all the, that's all the proof we have. It's all the proof we need week one, number 10, Oregon. I mean, you talk about the team that got destroyed 49, three by Georgia. Everyone had, everyone buried the casket. The whole nation dropped the casket in the grave together. And now Oregon is just, uh, hey, as ducks like to do, they just flown their way back into the top ten, huh? <laughs> they have, which I think, I w- I think when we first talked about the um, just demolition Georgia put on Oregon, I think I was um, a person on here who said, "Don't let that kind of you know." sway your mind on what you're thinking about Oregon because, I mean, they're still a talented football team. They're well-coached. Their defense is talented. They're uh, well-coached on the defensive side of the ball. Bo Nix is a veteran quarterback, and they got some talent over there, and they're in a weaker conference, and they just, you know, you're starting the season off with the defending national champions who are just loaded. Yeah, and, and that's what an we emotional said. emotional game. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough spot, but. I mean, they fought their way back. They played good football. I think this is going to be an interesting test, though, because I am DTR. I'm pretty high on UCLA and DTR. Yeah, I like UCLA. They're well coached. They're very talented. DTR is finally kind of turning into what um, he's kind of been looked at ever since he was at Bishop Gorman out there in Vegas. So it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a it's going to be a good little good little afternoon slate. Looks like. Yeah, and I do want to say you talking about uh. Or I feel like that was a uh, week one typical narrative of the fans that don't really dive into this stuff in the summertime or know what's coming up. This Pac-12 ain't, ain't, ain't our usual Pac-12. No, it's not. That's and we, sure. I mean, we talked about the wagon, the one we were high on, and then you got Utah out there putting them down by one on a ballsy call. You got DTR and UCLA doing it, Oregon climbing back in. I mean, this, this, this Pac-12 is much different than what we've uh, seen. So for Oregon to do it, and they, you know, they haven't got to got to that like strength, the strongest part of the Pac-12 necessarily, but still to bounce back after. And what what's tough is you know every player and coach and everybody knew. I mean that was the game of the week, week one. That was the game of the oh yeah. Off so 
to be able to bounce back no matter who you play for five straight weeks and to be back five and one and find yourself back in the top ten, good for Oregon. Uh, and they're, they're not just winning right now. I had to pull up their schedule because I was pretty confident. But they they bounce back that next week over Eastern Washington, Washington hang 70. Then they hang 41 on BYU, 44 on Washington State, 45 on Stanford, 49 on Arizona. So that offense is rolling. And I didn't just name a top ten schedule in the country, but to do it week in and week out, we've seen – I mean, look at Georgia after they buried them and to struggle with Kent State and Mizzou. So, mm-hmm. teams are struggling all year. And for Oregon to bounce back like that and keep the offense rolling has been pretty impressive. Um, that's all I got for this upcoming week. Kind of a – you know, I, I appreciate – I try to find the crumbs, uh, as some people say. But a little bit of a disappointment slate after, after what we got spoiled with last week. Yeah, I agree. But it's hard to top last week. That's all I got. Fellas, any more uh, college football we need to add before going into this week? Feel free. No, I'm good, brother. My good. All right. Jeffy, send us out and bring us back to the NFL. Before me and Z – Hop into this, are the Giants good talk? Because that's the question we've been asking ourselves for about two weeks. Um, I'm just going to – I'm going to do my due diligence. I'm going to hit the the hoodats. We're in the dome. We're playing the Bengals, and I'm thinking there is no way we're letting this happen. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, you think you're you're coming home? You're not. All right? For anybody, anybody in that Superdome last Sunday that cheered when Jamar Jay scored – when Joe Burrow got out of the freaking pocket on third and 16, go burn that jersey because you're not a fan, okay? That's what I got to say to you. Um, I don't even want to do this. He's literally smirking at me. Yeah, we get it, Z, the Falcons freaking won, okay? I am, uh, I'm hurt. I'm heartbroken. I'm glad the Pelicans start on Wednesday. So while, you're, while you guys are listening to this, I'm glad the Pelicans start tonight. Because um, I don't know how much more of this I can take by itself. <laughs> I'm glad that I like Ole Miss because they're winning right now. Um, Andy Dalton for 162 yards, one touchdown. Taysom Hill through the ball. Look, I'm not even going to talk too much about our offense because really I didn't hate the offensive play. We have all three of our starting receivers out. We have a freaking D3 track star running a touchdown for us like – we had the most Saints offensive day ever. We have some touchdowns from some no-name guys. Our backup quarterback plays okay, throws a touchdown, okay. But our defense is so lacking this year. It is insane. I hate that we gave C.J. Garner-Johnson to the Eagles just because of a contract dispute. I hate that I didn't hear Cam Jordan's name until the fourth quarter, and it was because of a penalty. Um, and we're talking about this O-line that gets absolutely bashed since last year in the Bengals because they can't protect Joe Burrow, and we can't even hardly get to him. And when we do, the five times we do get to him, he's rushing out of the pocket, easy money, past our best tacklers. Um, this Saints team has a tackling problem, and we shouldn't because Dennis Allen is a defensive mind and he's our head coach, but they do. 
Glad to see Alvin Kamara. He runs for 99. I'll just say 100 to make myself feel better. Um, Alvin Kamara is looking in form, but there's literally no other bright spot in our offense right now. Uh, I talked to a friend today who is an Eagles fan. You you may know him as Davin Hetz, Dabo Sweeney. He has been on the pod before. I was talking to him, and I just said, this year the Saints were banking on Jameis Winston being our guy. And after two or three weeks, we kind of realize he is not our guy. And he gets banged up. And I'm not trying to be that guy that's like, oh, he's not our guy. I told you all that after the first two weeks. I still believed in him. Now I don't. Okay? Because he was somewhat healthy this week. We still went with Andy Dalton. Now Andy Dalton's banged up. I don't know who the heck's going to play quarterback for the Saints next week. Okay? Hopefully a, a banged up Jameis at best. Um, our only bright spot this year besides – now two games of good Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave. Hopefully the offensive rookie of the year. Hopefully he's back next week. But I'm I'm honestly just ready for this year to be over. And we're trending towards giving our first round pick to the Eagles. Another absolute L. I mean it's just it's just not a great week for me right now. Bubba just gave me the salute. Um, I'm a little upset. Uh, I'm really cool. Like literally two of my best friends are Eagles fans. One of my friends plays for the Eagles. Um, it's just, it's just a tough pill to swallow right now as a Saints fan. So I'm going to get off here. Uh, I'm going to be a little quiet for the rest of the segment and I'll let Z roll into the Falcons and, uh, and the big games he wants to talk about. Yes, sir. Dirty birds. Baby. Dude. All right, Z. All right. You're gonna have to calm down. Dirty birds. <laughs> We're doing it, man. We're sneaky. We're frisky. You're on one against the Saints. That's all I got to say. We may be the best, worst team in the NFL, or we may just be pretty good. I will Mariota say, finally, I will say before before you just hop into it, Mariota impressed me this year so far. He has impressed yeah. me. Yep, like Joe said, Mariota's looked good. Three touchdowns this week against the Niners. I mean, I'm a realist. The Niners were missing some key guys on defense. Um. Secondary is a little banged up. Bosa was out. Don't matter. You play who's on the field. The Falcons went out there, and we did what we do this year. We ran the football. We let Mariota spin a little bit. We had three guys with 50-plus rushing yards, including Mariota. So we're running the ball really well. Coming in this game, we're the third-ranked rushing team. In the NFL, going up against the Niners, who are the number one ranked uh, rushing defense. And, you know, we, we just ran it down their throat. We got the team. We got the head coach, Arthur Smith, celebrating with the O-line. You know, after the game, just pounding some Bud Lights. I mean, we're just, we're just kind of living it up down here in the A. And watch Whatever, dude. We're coming. We're coming. We'll get off that. We'll get off, you know, the little homer teams. We'll hop into the NFL. Hey, hey, hey. So hey, we'll we'll get to the Eagles, man. They played Monday night. We we'll can get, get off. We Eagles. can get off the little bird. No, Sunday night. Or Sunday night. Yeah, Monday night was a shit show. I'll let. You, I actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean that. Clean out the other. Sweep other. We'll, sweep these. We'll, sweep these yeah. crumbs under the rug. And let me know when uh, Sunday night gets up. Yeah, we'll we'll end it with the old undefeated Eagles. But yeah, let's hit it. We're gonna jump. We're gonna jump into some key games here. We're gonna start it off, boys. Giants. 
I think they're good. We had, yeah. Hey, we had this conversation, do we? I mean, at I some point we have to stop. At some point we have to just say it, and maybe then they'll lose. I'm saying it now. I think they're good. I mean, how can you? What, I mean, what do you say at this point? I mean, I they're leaving me with no other options <laughs> but to say they're good. I agree. They're well coached. They are well coached. And to be honest with you, Daniel Jones looks good. Hmm, this is an unfortunate spot. This was it for Z. Uh, it did cut there for a second, but I think all I missed was you said Daniel Jones is good or looks good. Yeah, he looks good and um, blows my mind to be honest with you. But <laughs> there's something, man. Five and one. New York yeah, Jones, I mean. Five- I mean, and they won the NFL. I mean, what do you say? And they beat the Ra- like they beat a really good team this last mm-hmm. week, and the Ravens yeah. are a lot better than three and three, I think, because Lamar is just Lamar's is that guy. So yeah, I mean, I'm with you, but it just shows what a healthy Saquon does for that team. Mm-hmm. All right, Kohi, you got anything? You're good. It's just I mean, five and one in the NFL. I know they beat the Ravens and that Titans win to start the season. I mean, there's those are two wins not to just completely look over. I know the Titans aren't as good as last year, but you're. I mean, if you're a Giants fan, you feel great. How? I mean, what better start? Besides, I mean, you lose to the Cowboys, of course, but yeah. All right, yeah. So we're we're gonna keep it in New York. New York's kind of living it up in the NFL right now. The Jets. Jets are surprising a lot of people. They're young. They're frisky. They got a lot of guys who, you know, are just out there balling. A lot of young cats. You know, you got Zach Wilson back. You got the new the the new rookies, uh, Garrett Wilson and uh, Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner will finish his career as a top three cornerback to ever play in the NFL. He is clamps. Wow. This dude is insanely talented. He's insanely confident. I mean, he's locking up guys, veteran guys who – just don't get just don't get locked up like that. And he's following guys. He's not staying around on one side of the field. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. He's throwing on the cheese head in, in Green Bay after the win, just just letting them have it. He's coming out saying after the game, he thought he thought for a second it was a home game. It was so loud in there for the Jets. <laughs> I mean, these 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 Jets are confident. They're playing good. I mean, you go out there and you beat Aaron Rodgers 27-10. to Yeah, that's for real. I mean, in Lambeau, sack him four times. Quinnen Williams looked unreal. I've always been a big fan of Quinnen Williams. He's just an overall – he's just a good guy. He's a hope football sure, player. I'm pretty sure Sauce uh, never allowed a tutty when he was at Cincinnati. Never allowed a touchdown in uh, – like, I don't care who you're playing college. against. I mean, I don't care who you're playing against. It don't matter. For you not to give up a – touchdown for you not to stumble and get burnt i mean yeah anything and he's a big i think it's been known he's not never drank never smoked kind of guy like he's all ball that's all that's it yep yep but good for him good for the football player good for good for the jets good for the jets good for the jets i mean and then you just then then you roll into denver i mean they're they're you watch out for the jets they're young. They're excited. They're trying to change the culture over there. All right, one more before we hop into, you know, Cohe's undefeated Eagles. 
Game of the week. Bills, Chiefs. Everybody thought it was going to be a shootout like usual, like it has been in the past. Both defenses kind of kept two safeties back, didn't want to get beat over the top, made both teams run the football. Bills drive down, score late, tied at half. Then it just turned into the old Mahomes Allen shootout. Had to mix in running the ball. Von Miller came up with a big sack towards the end. Both quarterbacks were just making some throwing some dots. Mahomes played unbelievable. Mahomes, Josh Allen's hell of a quarterback. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. He had a good game. It just came down to it. They left him a few, you know, they they gave him a little time on the clock at the end, which I was sitting there watching it, think, oh no, this is too much time for Mahomes and the Chiefs. But he, you know, he gets the I'll give it to the Bills, man. They got pressure on them. Made an ill-advised throw, got it picked, ended the game. But, I mean, that's a matchup I think we're going to see again, you know, at the, end, at the end of the year for the AFC Championship. Yeah, and a whole different sport, but a comparison that I just cannot get out of my head when I see these two teams. Because, I mean, the whole country is always watching. Whether you – I mean, forget being a fan of either one of the teams or players. I mean – even if you're not that much of an NFL guy, like it's all over your Facebook if you're an old head, Twitter, whatever. It reminds me so much of the Warriors, uh, the freaking Warriors-Cavs when it was running yeah, against Bron. Yeah. Like it's just every time it comes on, you're like, shit, like Alan Mahomes, I have to watch it, and they're going to duke it out. And there's always just some it, – it isn't as petty as NBA, obviously, but – you're always guaranteed to catch one of those hurdle juke that Allen. I mean, just an unreal clip. Like it's guaranteed mm-hmm. highlights. And then, like you said, the team that loses this time being the Chiefs. I mean, you still got to tip your hat to the best player, the, the one of the most entertaining players in the NFL. But like you said, Patrick Mahomes, he's he's unreal and he is, just a hell of a ball game, and it lives up. Good for game. them for living up to the hype, and that was back to back games. I think lived up to the hype as we talked about. Tennessee Bama did it for Saturday, and this one four point W comes down to it, and just a good football game. Yep. All right, Kobe hit those Eagles. I mean, Cowboys. There's there's no way we were gonna we were gonna actually ride out this rush thing in in public, like saying mm-hmm. it out loud. There's no way we were gonna do this forever. No, I mean, it was time. I mean, yeah, I mean, you shake his hand, you appreciate it. You know, he's done. He's weathered the storm while Dak's been out. Uh, I think it's comical that – and I'm not even saying – as I say it every week, I'm not a Dak guy. It's comical that people really thought when Dak came back, somehow Rush was going to keep the job. Un- I mean, unbelievable thing to actually think. One, you're paying this guy millions. Two, I mean, he- he's a talented quarterback. He's not, I'm not sitting here saying he's top seven, top ten Qs in the league. But, I mean, the guy's talented. He can. He's a, He's got his experience now in Dak. And, I mean, he's your guy. You. You paid him the money, it is what it is. But Cooper and I hope we see Dak later in the year to prove it. It goes every week, it seems like. I mean, Hurts and AJ and Smitty both get them touchdowns. Miles Sanders added him a touchdown. Miles Sanders has been one for us that's been just came out of nowhere almost. And he doesn't just go off Sunday, but I think he had 70, 75 yards and a tutty. And he's just doing his job. And like I said, Hurts didn't have the game of his career or anything, but I want Dak to play next time just so Cowboys fans will bury this narrative about Oates oh, Cooper. Like he turned, he threw three picks. This Philly defense is for real as it gets. Mm-hmm. 
CJ, I mean, GH trading him. He gets some two picks Sunday. Big play, Darius Slay does it again. He gets a, he gets in on the action, gets a pick. Meek Mill leads the guys out. He's he's bumping on the sideline pregame. The vibes for the Philadelphia Eagles right now are rolling. And their schedule is not exactly the toughest coming up. So this train, I mean, we're look we could keep riding this thing. All right. This one was gonna be a little hiccup. And Dallas's D did their, you know, like I said, I think Jalen Hurts had like 150 through the air, nothing crazy, but I think the Philly D is more of the story, but they got coming up, got the Steelers at the Texans commanders. I mean, those three, you, you love your, you love your chances. So I think Philly's got something going and I have seen the talk about, and I'm not, I'm not ruling this out. I mean, I'm confident right now, but the year the Cardinals started, what was, what were they like 10 and one, nine and oh, something like that. Yeah. And then they get, what they get booted first round. Yep. Some people, and this this started this 10, 11, 12 games we got isn't actually isn't exactly the hardest in the league. But I mean, like you said, you put the people on the field and you play them and it is what it is. And the Eagles came out and took care of the task they were handed and they've done it for six weeks. Six and oh, still the only gonna see how long this undefeated train can ride, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think the Eagles are for real. I think they're good on both sides of the ball. Coach is good so far. He kind of makes – I only think with Sirianni is he makes some weird decisions late in games. Definitely some strange not – you don't see him around the league decision Yeah, go I agree. There at the, late, in the, late in the game. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, Ken. We'll see. Are the Eagles for real? I think they are for real right now, but a lot of, a lot of football left to be played. And Z, I wanna I know we're you're going to Monday, aren't you? You about to roll into Monday? Monday? Are you yeah, in... Monday was just a shit show. Who cares? All this is all I want to say. How bad do you think the NFL feels that I mean they thought they were gonna drill this new Russ in Denver and it just I lets do. us down every time. It's like a I mean, prime down. time game already. That's what I said. Does Denver I mean, does Denver even play on Sundays? God, dude. Yeah, I mean it's brutal. At least I mean at least we got a touchdown this week. Yeah, at least yeah, but then <laughs> Denver, Denver sucks. That is crazy. I thought you were kind of exaggerating, but literally Denver's played three out of their six games on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the that's the best part about it is that you know the NFL is like, man, we're doing this right. Denver new Russ. Russ is in Denver now. That's just yeah, let's just Comical. backfired. Uh, Harper just said a dick. Z, I don't know if you're watching. Yeah, no, I got the update though. Dude, he's fucking dialed. Hey. All right, you want to lead it in, Z, or what? I'll let, yeah, yeah, you lead it in with the Braves. All right, here we go. Didn't end how we wanted it to end, boys and girls, manly boys. <laughs> but <laughs> Braves, Braves, you know, it's done. Can't win them all. You know, it feels better to say that now that we got one in my lifetime. But we're going, we're going to be around for a while. We got to, you know, all our core players except for Dansby right now locked into. You know, long-term deals, 
We're young, extremely talented. But Philly, we ran into a Phillies team that was just on fire. And we're, we, I think we kind of got hot at the wrong time. We got hot towards the end when we, you know, got so emotional for the Mets series to, to win the division again. And then, you know, kind of cooled off when we had the five days off. Philly came in hot. And we just we just ran in we ran into a hot team. That's how it is with baseball. It's how it is in the playoffs. Everybody likes to say, "Oh, the Phillies only won eighty-seven games. And the Braves won over the Braves won one hundred one. Well, we only won eight. The Braves only won eighty-eight games last year. And we won the World Series. Baseball is that sport where it's whoever gets hot at the right time. And right now the Phillies are hot. Um, we'll jump into the Padres, but the Padres are hot too. The mo- so I mean, got to be the most shocking one. Has yeah, to be. Yeah, they yeah, thought. I mean, yeah. we thought the Dodgers were going to break their win record potentially. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we just we're a good team. We're going. We're going to be in the playoffs for years to come. As long and as we Z- stay out. But you know, it, it was a tough, tough way to end it. I would have loved to keep going. Would have loved to kind of make a deep run again, see what we could do. But like I said, man, we just wrong team, wrong time. And Z, I want to ask you so. We just talked about Harper just hit a bomb in game one of the Padres. Machado was about as hot as it came against the Dodgers. And, I mean, hit well against the Mets too. But so mm-hmm. is this – I want to – or this goes for both of y'all, G2. This format, does it kind of make you realize, like, do you think it's going to trend in the next five or seven years? MLB does say, hey, let's go to about 130 games, you know, or 120, just because at some point – I mean, 162 is a lot to prove it. Like, you can still prove it in 120, which I definitely agree. It has to be more an NBA. It's like baseball is more of an everyday all summer long. I agree. But it's almost like you say. I mean, Dodgers sit here and win 111 games, it was, I think. Yeah. And then for a team to get to run through them. And I'm a fan of it. Like, I love the wild card deal. But it's just, I don't know. It kind of sparks a little in my mind thinking that the MLB eventually is going to make that side to shorten the season a hair. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. I like how the playoff format is with the wild card. Um, I'd like it how it's a three-game set instead of just that one game, sudden death, winner take all. Yes. I think it kind of makes it more interesting. The only thing with the going from 162 to what I've heard of 130, 140, is without that 162, the Braves don't win the division. So a lot, I mean, a lot of that would change. Like you, like teams like that, when it's tight in the division, even if you're playing 130, 140, you know, all right, we got to get it going now. Instead right. Of having, instead of the having switch, third, yeah, the switch would go on a little yeah. sooner. I yeah. got you. So, that, but I do think with all the changes that are coming with baseball, like next year, no shift, the pitch clock, trying to speed up the game. Right. Um, trying to get, you know, more people into the game, younger generation into the game. I think you could see, you know, the game get – or the season get shortened just because it, at some point it does drag out, especially for your average fan. So I could see that as something that's going to happen in the future. Now another another one, and, gee, I'll let you answer both of these when you go. Do we think if it goes to 130, okay, do we think they they put in more days rest? Or do we think they just start the season a little later? 
I think they would do a mixture of both. I think you'd get a little more off days instead of playing a shit ton of back-to-backs and having to travel a lot more um, and maybe start a little later. But I do think – I don't think it would be starting Not, at the same time with the current setup and yeah. then shortening the game so the playoffs aren't in October. The playoffs are going to stay in October because it's, it's always been October baseball. So if they do shorten it, I think you just start the season later and keep the – keep the playoffs in the end of the year in late September and October. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh I don't know. I'm not a freaking I wish I, I had an MLB team. I don't know what they're gonna do. Jesus <laughs> is just a lost puppy at this point in the MLB. Yeah the the Saints the Saints talk kind of got to him. Um I'm in my shell right now for sure. Honestly, with just, G yeah. Saints, G Saints misery, my Bulldogs mem- misery, Z just. I mean, thank God the Braves lost. I mean, we had to get we had to get all three in there with some misery going. Yeah, I mean, why do why do I watch sports? I don't know. I I literally was yelling that in my house after the Saints lost. As I just, why do I even why do I even bother? <laughs> All right, let's talk. Uh, let's yeah, talk we'll, the other side we'll, of the series. This this one's going to be petty. It's going to be fun. Yankees, what, Yankees, Astros. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, Yankees, Astros. Uh, if you're listening to this, you should know Yankees. Uh, Yankees beat the Guardians today. Big game by Stanton. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think the Astros are the best team left. Yankees are talented. They're just extremely streaky. Um, I've got a little question at shortstop right now in the bottom of the lineup's not really producing much, but it's going to be fun. It's it's a tough turnaround for the Yankees. They got to jump right into this series with the uh, two rainouts they had. That's but, tough. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, but I do like the Strohs in this series, and honestly, I think they take care of business pretty pretty handily. I hope it's a. Uh, I just hope it's chippy chippy. Honestly, I loved the uh, Naylor. Rocking the baby on Garrett Cole, even though they're losing, a bold, weird move there. We're, but yeah, that petty October newer generation baseball is as entertaining and sucking fans in as it gets. Like that just brings everyone. When they see that, it's just. I mean, that's what everybody wants. They want the viral clip. They want the shit talking. And this series going all the way back to the wire and the Altuve bomb off Chapman. I mean, how is this not going to be? Yep. How's it not going to be a little nasty? So I'm looking forward yep. to it. Like you said, uh, just kind of a tough break. But then some people like to say, you know, I heard the talks about the Braves and the Dodgers having to sit there and wait on that wild card, how it happens like mm-hmm. that. It's almost like Yankees. I mean, yeah, you're a little tired and drained because you've had to stay up and not only play these games, but wait around for rain delays and then get canceled. But to turn around and play, you never know. Sometimes those consistent reps and, yep. you know, you never know what can happen. So, we want to do uh since we got the championship series set, do we want to do some picks? Yeah, hit it. I'm I think I'm they're red hot. They knocked me out. They knocked your guys out. As much as I want the bad boy Padres versus the Strohs, I think I'm gonna just gonna ride Philly. I think the vibes in Philly with the Eagles six and oh. I heard some talks about the Flyers. I'm not. I'm not even sure I knew the Philly Flyers were their NHL team. I think they've got some wins. This little. I mean, I might. I might 
have got a little lucky and got to see these first four innings of game one. Harper already hit a bomb this series. Uh, I think I do think Phillies Padres is going to be a hard fault series, some grinded out games. But I'm going to yeah. go Phillies versus Strohs. But then I'm kind of like, I think the Strohs are the most talented, and I think the run ends. I got Strohs winning it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm on the Strohs for sure. I ain't picking Philly, though. I'm going to go Padres. I like the bad boys. Honestly, that rights and, I mean, how much of a dick Bryce can be. Yeah. Honestly, I'm a fan of Bryce and the Phillies or Machado and Soto from the Padres playing either one of these Yankees Astros. Like, I think we're set. For a real, petty. I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah, I think we're set for a good petty. Like the Braves and even the Cardinals, honestly, if they would have made it out of like we're just not crazy. Like I mean, when push comes to shove, like I know Arenado's kind of a hothead can be, but like having Phillies having Harper, Padres obviously having Soto and Machado, uh, the Yankees being the Yankees and hated by everyone, and then the Strohs being the cheaters and. Jordan and a couple of those guys, like the stage is set with these four. So I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Jiffy, do you want to give a do you want to give a World Series pick even though you hate baseball? No, I don't hate baseball, but I hate the Astros. So I hope they anyone lose. Anyone but the Strohs. Anyone literally the Strohs. anyone but the Strohs. I do like Bryce Harper. He's fun to watch. So I'll I'll go for the Phillies. There we go. We got a Phillies pick, a Strohs pick. You pick Strohs to win it, Z? Yeah. Yeah. Two Strohs pick and a Phillies pick. We'll see what happens. But that's all I got this week on the pod, boys. I don't know if we left anything out. That's going to do it for me. Me as well because I have to do it with y'all. Look uh, look forward <laughs> look forward to the parlay content. We needed to hit. Yeah, yep. Yeah. UFC right, 280. Dudes. Get ready. Dudes, we appreciate it. As always, like it, share it, join the movement. Uh, you know, just just a real emotional moment right here. Shout out to Joe G for editing all this. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's a great, he's a hell of a guy. Um, that's all I got. Yep, peace. God, it's so nice being done eight thirty. Yeah, it's uh, nine thirty. <laughs> hey, still great. I w- I wouldn't complain about nine thirty. I was just about to say <laughs> when we used to do this shit at my house when I lived with a dude named Cody G and Facebook.